0: You're listening to Retail Refined, a market-scale podcast with me, Melissa Gonzalez. Hi, everyone. This is Melissa Gonzalez, CEO and founder of the Lioness Group and principal at MG2. We're here with another episode of Retail with Melissa. I have an exciting guest today, Greg Petro founder and CEO of First Insight. With decades of experience in retail economics and growing SaaS businesses, Greg has helped to build First Insight, a technology company transforming how retailers make product and pricing decision into the world's leading platform for creating differentiated product. He has extensive knowledge in the retail and technology industry, having held previous roles at I2JDA, Saks. Inc., and Macy's. His expertise and dedication to the industry has been touted at events including NRF's Big Show, WWDCO Summit, and in publications such as The Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Fortune, CNBC, and The Financial Times, where he's discussed how retailers can navigate today's disruptions. And we need that conversation more than ever in today's new norm. Greg, uh, uh, thank you for being on the show today.
1: Well, thank you, Melissa. Pleasure to be here.
0: Yes. Well, I'm excited in all the things we're going to dig into, but I'd love for us to start with you giving the audience a high-level introduction of First Insight.
1: So thank you, Melissa. Yes, First Insight uh, has been around for more than a decade now. Uh, We founded Voice of the Customer uh, Analytics in retail um, uh, back about 13 years ago. The concept was that we were helping retailers, brands and manufacturers get closer to their customer through uh, consumer engagements online and understand what consumers were desiring around the products that they were offering and the services that they were offering. Um, We now have grown uh, to represent uh, a number of companies, hundreds of companies around the globe in North America, uh, Europe, as well as Asia. So excited to share some of the data that we've been finding and some of the research that we've been providing related to, obviously, the healthcare crisis that we're all facing globally.
0: Great. I'm sure you're getting those requests more than ever right now, everybody trying to wrap their head around it. And it's still feeling early, but we need to be tracking and analyzing data along the way. So tell us, before we dive into some of the outcomes that you're seeing. Tell us how you approach research.
1: Well, I think uh, there's obviously a number of approaches that we take. One is in our normal course of doing business, which is helping those companies that we serve by using predictive analytics to understand a forward-looking view into the consumer and how they view things. Um, In the information I'm going to share today, we, we uh, leveraged our platform as a service to our customers and to i think uh, you know society at large to share information around um, the the demographics of the united states and how they were feeling currently given the covid crisis um, and we we were fortunate in that we started this research uh, in getting uh, large demographic samples um, uh, at the end of February. And so even before, I think the the huge effects that we're all feeling today. So we're we're fortunate in that we are one of the few, if maybe the only company who's been surveying customers and researching this since the the beginning and have now what we view as longitudinal data in in two in two studies and soon to be our third. Uh, upcoming this week around how the consumer is reacting and responding by generation amongst other um, segmented questions that we've created.
0: That's great. Yeah. I mean, because again, it's we're going to have to understand that whole curve because we really don't know where we are in this process and everybody's trying to understand the trajectory of it. And you really do need that holistic look of the data, right, in order to to do those predictive analysis that you're talking about. Um, so what, who, who are some of the customers that you guys have today? You, you seem to be involved in, um, kind of a vast array of, of, verticals. So can you just kind of tell us a little bit about the brands, the manufacturers, et cetera, that you work with? Yeah,
1: our, 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 uh, ecosystem of partners, as we describe them, companies that leverage our technology, um, range from small to very large companies um, from manufacturers to, to brands to retailers. And just to give you a sense of that, it is companies like uh, on the manufacturing Li and Fung, uh, brands like Under Armour and retailers like Dick Sporting Goods and Kohl's, et cetera. And, and as I said, everywhere, those are some just larger examples, but uh, we also have, have customers that are, that we serve in each one of those segments. Um, uh, you know, down to $50 million and in some cases below in revenue. And then in every product category you could imagine from apparel, footwear, accessories, shoes, sporting goods, obviously, um, even in, uh, certain food categories and wholesale, um, uh, uh, I'm sorry, like warehousing, um, companies as well. So big box that we're serving in almost every product category. So it's a pretty broad array, uh, that we're, we're our customer base represents. And, um, and, and as I said, it's in, we are able to do this in, in roughly 30 languages and 20 and 25 currencies. So we're doing it around the globe.
0: That's incredible. Um, I mean, that holistic approach, not only that you've started early, but that you're kind of seeing that full scope. I think, you know, you can't really talk about supply chain without seeing the warehouses, right? And you can't just... So it's good that you're seeing all those touch points. Um, What are the early trends that you're seeing? And from where we sit today, how do you see those evolving?
1: Yeah, so um, obviously, we are... uh, in an environment that is unprecedented. No one's in in any of our lifetimes have experienced something like this. We've seen first the supply chain constraint that occurred uh, when the outbreak uh, of COVID occurred in China and what that did to the supply chain, the supply side. And then um, quickly as it expanded across the globe, right now seeing the effects on the demand side based upon the effects of needing to close stores and and the effects on the consumer at large. So I think there's uh, waves or what I'm calling bubbles that are occurring in the supply chain, uh, sort of like in a, in, a, in a blood vessel. Air is not good, um, and and those bubbles are being created and dissipating over periods of time as the effects of this crisis, you know, peak and then and then sort of trail off, and we begin to see then you know, the dissipation of those air pockets uh, within the supply chain. We've been fortunate in that the necessities have been supported, even though, you know, a lot of shoppers are saying that they're seeing uh, missing items on the shelf. It's really not necessarily, it's just because the demand spikes, not necessarily the ability to supply it. Um, But I think in generalized terms, the the effects of all of this are leading to potentially long-term state change in how the consumer will interact with retailers and brands and certainly how they're affecting it today not just in the in the you know fact that they can't go to a store but what they may be focused on related to the product investment so
0: interesting so Tell me a little bit about that, um, what you're seeing, right? You talk about these trends and are you starting to see demographics converge? Are you starting, you know, there's been a lot of segmentation, right, about how brands, retailers, marketers have thought about Gen Z versus Gen X versus millennial versus baby boomer. How are you seeing those starting to converge and around what kind of, what topics um, per your research thus far?
1: Yep. Yep. So, you know, one convergent point was that, um, you know, generally speaking, let me, let me speak at the highest level first. The key points that we found are that, um, you know, everyone was concerned about the, con- uh, the coronavirus, uh, COVID-19, you know, when we first started reaching out. But not to a, a degree that I would say, you know, alerted us, organiz- you know, as, as a whole that there's, you know, a major concern. Sixty-six percent, in fact. And you would, you would think now, retrospectively, if you went back a month, um, which is a long time in this environment with the amount of changes that we're facing, that sixty-six percent should have been ninety-nine percent. In fact, ninety-three percent of people that we had talked to and collected information from said it would impact the economy at that point. They just weren't severely concerned about it to the degree that they were from an economic effect. That changed somewhat dramatically. Let's think first, the impact to the economy is now nearly 100% as of, you know, a week and a half ago, 98%. Still, only 71% saw it as a major concern. Now, keep in mind, this was, you know, collected on in, in mid-March, March 17th. Now we're into April 2nd. You know, the time frame is vastly different in the speed of information and the effects. So we'll be cur- curious to see when we get our collection at the end of this week, what that looks like. What's also interesting is that the convergence between the age groups related to their response. You know, we saw millennials actually I called them the worried generation, having the highest concern uh, at the first study. They're now still, you know, slightly higher than other generations, but quickly boomers went from 33 to 73% in, in a short time span of February 28th through March 17th. And I suspect when we will look at the data soon that everybody will converge around it being a massive concern. Uh, we'll see. Um, the effects related to how people are behaving you know seem to be affecting the boomers in the last couple of weeks and women more than it does and this is demographically based upon what they've shared about how they're shopping and where they're shopping um, more than it did men. Now it's not to say that everybody hasn't changed because they all have dramatically but those two groups seem to be Accelerating their addressing of that and and you can you can then make some suppositions coming out of that
0: And so in what ways for that those groups, right boomers and women, what kind of changes are you seeing based on that?
1: Yeah, so they're they're obviously how much they're spending has changed number one um, and what they're spending it on so um, You know the increase of shopping less and less in stores even though some stores were still even open at this point in time when we failed it um, and what they're spending it on. So the shift of online is occurring at a faster rate. It was, you know, generationally, and I would say in holistic form, shifting that way anyway, as we've seen over the years, but it accelerated. Um, But I think the second piece is, you know, there's an increase in cutback on spending because of the concern related to the economy. It's roughly half suggesting that they're cutting back second they're shifting it into staples and stockpiling right um stockpiling necessities shifting into different categories that they know they're going to need whether it be health and beauty which you know correlates into some of the concerns or staples you know paper products and some of those other things um but In essence, that will have to equilibrate, you know, come to an equilibrium at a certain stage, because we're going to see that, you know, as things open up, the peak occurs as it's being described by, you know, the health professionals. And and then we start to open up things and we're seeing this in other countries and we can only look towards China and South Korea at this point. The behaviors are starting to, to evolve relatively quickly in the consumer once they recognize that, you know, they don't need eight weeks of supply of toilet paper or whatever the issues might be, right?
0: Correct. The the whole phenomenon around toilet paper is really interesting to me. I don't know if you have any data around that, but what made toilet paper be the thing (laughs) that everybody hoarded first?
1: Well, you know, I, I can't say uh, uh, we didn't research that in particular, but uh, I can say, you know, what that people have talked about is that, you know, and I've in listening to the news that social scientists have said there's a human nature of survival related to stockpiling that occurs about control. Um, you know, and I'm sure there are, are, are many experts who can who could speak more more closely about that, but uh, it is certainly a phenomenon we have all experienced. I've never seen... Yeah, yeah
0: it's also created some amazing memes that... I <laughs> yes, <I'm, laughs> I think the world appreciated that part. Uh, but yes, I guess those human needs weren't going to go away no matter what. Um, so, so, okay, what about on the, the, the younger demographics, right? Like what kind of trends are you seeing in Gen Z and millennial? And then I guess a two-part question, um, how do you think this impacts... Sustainability and, and 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 other things that you know we're seeing a big movement at the beginning of this year.
1: Yeah, so that's a great question. I think number one, you know, w- what we saw with uh, Gen Zers is they seem to be mimicking, curiously enough, the Boomer generation, and um, Millennials are a bit more unique in that sense. So we're seeing, at least in the data, you know, as an example related to the behaviors and what they said, Gen Zers are at changing their behavior, more in line with boomers. Same thing around the concern level, right? Um, And where millennials seem to be a bit more dramatic, and I think that, um, you know, what that indicates to us is that there are different life stages, obviously, and reactions that the the generations might take. So you could think about, like, um, you know, in my household, uh, I'm a i am have boomers, uh, two of us. Uh, we have two millennials and one Gen Zer, believe it or not. And so, the 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 Gen Zer is is mimicking his parents, you know, the two of us and our two you know millennial children are off there on their own independent create you know at a different life stage where they need to be self-sufficient they've been never seen an environment where you know they're experiencing this none of us have but it's their real first i think foray into a crisis and in some cases the millennials not in our case but in others have children So there's a worry about stock, you know, diapers as an example. Um, So I think that when we see the generational responsivity, it's kind of mimics some commonsensical things about where they are in life stages. At the same time, it's fascinatingly unique about how quickly they respond. And I think for us, as we think towards, as we look towards what this is suggesting to us right now in the snapshot, The data is going to be helpful to us and to our, you know, customers in the industry and potentially even, you know, the U.S. at large for us to be able to observe how generations respond to these crises, so that we can anticipate as an example when to open stores. And we're going to research that and and we're going to look at who should open what stores in what regions based upon the information that we're going to be able to collect. And I think it's going to be very interesting and create baselines for the first time that have never existed around something like this. Because all of our forecasting and all of the history is going to go out the window for next year because we're going to have to model them on something different. the way we're going to have to do that is collecting data from consumers. So I think we're into a, a, a new way, a new um, approach to, you know, looking at history, which will be informative, but at the same time, waiting current information from consumers about how to address their needs into the future, because it's going to be dramatically different.
0: Definitely going to be, um, and it's going to be different, like you said, how we think of generations and how we do segmentations and we think about priorities. Um, it is early in your studies, but how do you think from today that a, a brand or retailer uh, should approach demand or order planning for Q3 and Q4? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so I think the first thing is you 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 need to recognize we 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 collectively are going to, you know, it, come out of this as a human species. And um, we also are going to rebound to some degree when we do. We, these, are, these are not prognostications or predictions. These are sort of common sense that we know are going to happen because we can't sustain uh, a closure from an economic perspective for, you know, odd infinium when that does happen um, the behaviors are likely to be different from consumers about where they shop you know social scientists have studied takes 28 days to form a habit something i've heard in the past Um, we a lot of people are going to be shelter in place for at least that period of time and it's going to take a period of time for them to evolve out of that so i think there are things that you ought that companies ought to be thinking about number one the shift to online will have accelerated. It may have been leapfrogging what was already occurring in in a period of you know what may have taken what may have taken three years normally may have happened just in this very short amount of time. Um, it's something to be aware of because then when you start to think about the assortments that you're bringing to market, they need to be vastly different um, in that sense and how you're gonna support them, as opposed to, you you may have a much broader offering, but then you need to figure out how to support that assortment. Um, the second thing to consider as we, you know, think about the consumer evolving out of this, you know, in the next, you know, whatever period of time we, we do, their needs and their desires, not just in the service model, which I was talking about in online, but in a store uh, are going to be different. And, and anticipating that is going to be massively important to give them the comfort. The third piece of that is their desire around the products. So while companies need cut orders to sustain themselves, and they need to push out expenses for this period of time, we. We recognize all that. I I think the key though is not to be myopic because the fundamental structure of the economy has, versus when we were in this, you know, our company started during the 2008 timeframe. So we're intimately aware of it. It's structurally different. The the economy is in a good place, has been in a good place. And um, while we may be in a recession, you know the the likes of it are different than what we experienced in 2008 the fundamental underpinnings of it so how consumers are going to be behaving needs to be anticipated because if you just cut everything by 50% it's going to be a very short-sighted point of view
0: agreed agreed i mean that's why more than ever you know brands and retailers need to work with companies like yours because you can't re- you can't rely on models that they've used over the past few years to to plan what would the trajectory be. Um, this isn't the same as '09 and '08. Um, we have a new a new baseline and a new norm. And I think it's interesting too because I've I've watched some predictions around what are we going to see with the consumer and and on the flip side. Even though we're going to be reconditioned on these 28 days, we are also going to go back a bit to human nature. So it's like, how do we balance that out? You know, I don't think we're going to stay home forever. I think human nature, we're going to want to get back out. We are going to want to interact with people. Um, we are going to want to see, you know, our our hairstylist and we are going to want to go to events, um, but we won- might want those things to show up a little differently. Um, so really wrapping our heads around what that means is going to take a lot of kind of digesting of data and trying to come up with the most informed um, guidance as possible.
1: That's right. And, you know, I've been talking to a number of uh, C-level executives over the last several weeks and, you know, an analogy I'm using, whether you want to do it in the the examples of what we're watching in the press briefings with the healthcare experts, or, you know, I like the simple example of the movie Martian with, um, with Matt Damon. Or when he gets left in Mars, right, and has to survive, the worst thing you can do in the environment today is sort of shelter in place and not understand the outside environment while you're doing that, um, and then think to yourself. And there's a very there's a lot of smart people in 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 the in the industry that have points of view, but keep in mind they're a single point of view, and and as i think um you know the ceo of target when he was announcing some of the results that they were having we've never no one's ever experienced this so there are no experts out there about how to react to this at this point just points of view and and i think in the movie martian you know he's you got to collect information out in the hostile environment to figure out how to address it you know as you look towards the examples of the experts in the healthcare industry they're talking about collection of data so that they can make decisions based upon the data that they're collecting. We already know, you know, the that that demand is being shut off. The issue is how the consumer is going to change, and how you need to evolve to that. So while while I appreciate you know the 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 push for services like you know and technologies like ours at First Insight, I think you know from a public service perspective, I can I could and a love for this industry the the plea that i would have to decision makers and leaders at this point are you need to reach out to your consumers in a structured way to collect data now to understand what they want as opposed to trying to guess or interpret or what you might think or what a group of people might think it's simple enough to start to survey the customer base the environment as they sit out there and they're responsive you know, they're, they're at home waiting for an email that can ask them how to better serve it so that they can collect information and figure out what to do. And a great example of that, I went to a restaurant recently to do, to do um, uh, pickup. And two people uh, greeted me at the door. I had two different experiences. One You know packed uh, area not really packed but everybody's trying to stay six feet apart but we're picking up our food and you know there's a lot of people bustling in and out Um, very uncontrolled very you know uncomfortable you could look at people and in the second environment they were very thoughtful two people were there they took lines they made people uh, you know line up across so that everybody was comfortable and then curiously enough they even were thoughtful enough to wipe to to have you sign your receipt and drop the pen in a different bowl which they said are being sanitized. And I think it's that kind of thoughtful approach in asking customers and anticipating what they might want to feel more comfortable is easily enough done. It's easily enough done. The worst case you can do though is just sort of sit there and have meetings internal and never reach out to the customer at this point.
0: I agree. I agree. You can't you can't you can't just be kind of inward thinking. Um, and I think you get some great points, sanitizing from a design standpoint, thinking of the materiality of things differently, um, from customer journey, thinking of that differently, um, the way contactless payments are going to change the checkout. There's a lot of elements to think through. But before we before we do wrap up, I, I think um, it's good to get data. So I have some poll questions I'd love to ask you okay. um, and see how you're, you're interacting in today's world. Um, my first question to you is, What new categories, if any, have you been shopping online?
1: Um, Interesting. I, I, uh, let me think about that. I've probably spent more time thinking about lawn care um, because, you know, I have a pretty big lawn and um, while I have equipment, you know, I'm thinking to myself, what more could I be doing with some of that as the weekends transpire and I'm, you know... Can't really get off the property or shouldn't be off the property. How can I contain myself and do more activity? So that's one one category that I certainly have spent more time on.
0: That's I love that. I, I've definitely spent more time fixing up my house. I think in some ways we're going to come out of this better than the way we went in. Um, all of That's our right. houses are going to look better. <laughs> <laughs> um, sure. Are you on a live streaming standpoint? Have you have you kind of converted to any of that? And if so, what live streaming apps are you using most Insta Live, uh, TikTok, Facebook?
1: Yeah, I, I have to say, honestly, given the fact of, Uh, running a global business and at the same time trying to keep up with the news. It's, um, you know, my behaviors on that side have not changed too much um, just because the amount of work has has gone up precipitously. So, um, yeah, I I wouldn't say my, my personal view. I've observed many around me, let's say, change theirs, but not myself.
0: Okay, fair. It's good that you're busy. We need you to be collecting data and analyzing it for us. Um, And then my last question would be, if you had $100, um, what purchases would you be prioritizing?
1: Um, hmm. Well, given the fact that I've tried to uh, stay away from uh, carbs recently, I would say uh, maybe uh, macadamia nuts and some other nuts. <laughs> Yum. I just had
0: them for a delicious salad. So I love that.
1: There you go. Yeah, well, I'm all out of nuts. So I got to go figure out how to how to restock that piece of it.
0: Okay, well, good. We have some data insights in here from you. Thank you for, for humoring <laughs> on this. Um, everyone, this was uh, Greg uh, Petro, founder and CEO of First Insight, with a wealth of knowledge. Um, this was really insightful, a lot to come ahead still as we, we figure out what the, the new norm will be um, as we get to the other side of, of things with the coronavirus. But this was a great conversation. Thank you so much for your insights.
1: Great to be with you, Melissa. Thank you we we'll